Good morning. What a wonderful day, the first Sunday in Advent, when we start to focus more on the remembrance of the coming of Christ. Such a privilege to be up here with you guys. Before we start, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come to you right now, Lord, we just want to lift you up. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for what you've done through Jesus Christ for us, when we so did not deserve it. And Lord, how you keep pursuing us, how you keep growing us, how you keep desiring to draw us closer even when we continually turn away again and again. Lord, right now I just want to come before you, pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts to hear your word. Lord, that you would just speak your truth to us. And Lord, right now I pray that as you do that, that you would drop a veil in front of me, Lord, and the words that are heard would be your words and not mine. And Lord, the message would be yours and not mine. Pray that you would hide me behind that. Lord, we just want to honor you and glorify you today. Thank you so much. We love you and praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Before we start, I've got a story I want to share with you. Um, Advent. Advent is focusing on Jesus, right? On the Christmas season. So I want to tell you a story about a 10-year-old little boy. There's this 10-year-old little boy who decided to take judo. It wasn't too long after he'd had an accident and he lost his left arm. But he wanted to do something, do something different, something maybe bigger. And um, so he started his class. He found a sensei and, and started taking judo and was in it for four, five, maybe six months. And all of a sudden he realized that in all this time, in all these days of practice and learning, he had only learned one move. And he went to his sensei and said, I don't understand. He said, I've been here six months and we've just worked on one move. And the sensei said, that one move is all you'll need. And that's all he said. And the boy took that to heart. And he thought, you know, don't quite understand it, but I'm going to keep working. So he kept going to, to practice day after day, kept practicing there, practicing at home, trying to do the best that he could at this one move. Well, Time had gone by, and all of a sudden, it was time for his first um, meet, his first invitational. And so he went and had his first two matches in this, um, in this tournament, and he won those rather quickly, and he was really surprised. Then he got to his third match, and it was a little tougher. It took a couple of moves and some points going back and forth, but he finally won it by doing the one move that he had learned. It took him a little while to do it, but he did it, and he won. And uh, since he won this match here, he was bumped into the finals. He was going for first or second place. He was totally amazed, didn't understand it, but he just kept focusing on what he had to do. Well, the final match started, and this opponent was much bigger and much stronger than he was. And as the match went on, the referee became concerned. And he stopped it and thought about forfeiting the match but the sensei came up and talked to the ref and persuaded him to keep it going and so they started the match again and after it had gone for a few more minutes and a few points back and forth all of a sudden this 10 year old boy did the move that he had been practicing for so long and won the match won the tournament got first place and he was just awestruck he's like how did i do this i didn't think i could do it with just one move but here I am. And so he asked his sensei, he said, I don't understand it. How did I win this with just one move? Since he had two things to say. He said, first, 
you have almost mastered the most difficult throw in judo. And the second, the only defense for this is to grab your left arm. The, <laughs> the young man had lost his left arm. There was no defense for the move. You know, so it was a good thing the boy focused on it. If he had not focused on that, it would have turned out a whole lot different. You know, focus is everything. Focus changes so much. Today is the start of Advent. Sometimes we take Advent as the time when we read Scripture in church and we light the five candles over the next four and a half weeks, whether it's on video screen or on a candelabra here. But that's kind of what we sometimes look at Advent as being. But Advent is really about focus. It's about focusing on two things, really. It's about focusing on the coming and the birth of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago and what He did for us. Even though we were still sinners, God's plan was put into motion. And He created a way for us to be reunited with Him as His children. And the second thing is that we need to look and prepare to focus on preparing for His second coming. That is what Advent is all about. It's about focusing on the past and focusing on what is to come. So our focus during this season should be on Jesus Christ. Now I know it's hard because we so often want to get focused on the season, on the gifts, on the decorations, on family, on preparation, and plans and all that. But really we should be just focusing on Jesus. And that really ties us into our scripture today. A lot of you may know the scripture Luke 10, 38-42 about when Jesus comes to the house of Martha to visit Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And so if you would, let's uh, turn our Bibles to Luke 10 and then let's read today's passage. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she said, or she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen, chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You know, when we look at the story, we see two ladies. And we see two ladies that have quite a different approach on Jesus' coming into the house. And as we talk about Advent and talk about Jesus, we want to talk about focusing on Jesus. A focused view is essential to who and what we are. View can mean many things. You know, a point of view is what someone thinks or feels about a certain topic or something that's going on. Or maybe when we think of view, we think of something to be admired. You know, those scenic overlooks where you go and you pull off the road and you look and you see this beautiful landscape. You know, well, I can tell you that I think some of them are beautiful, but some of them I think, why did they put an overlook here? Because it is not beautiful. But, you know, there are some people that think all of them are, are incredible and beautiful. And so the point of view there is they think it's beautiful and I don't. But that happens in a lot of things. 
So a view contains so much more, though, if we look at it, more than what we think. All right? We see in the book of Luke that from time to time, you know, or let me step back. We see here in the book of Luke that from the time Jesus entered the house of Martha, that there were two views, two very distinct views. And if we look to Martha first, we see that her view was wide angle. You've seen those lenses that take in and you can get like a whole city in one picture. This was kind of the view that Martha had. Martha, she was a hostess at heart, a caretaker. She wanted everything to be just so. She wanted to be the doer, the one that makes sure everything is just fine, the one that makes sure people are enjoying their stay. Her focus was on the details. And let me tell you, she was on that. She had many distractions, though, and those were the details. But then if we look at her sister's view, it was much different. Mary had the view that was zoned in, it was zoomed in, it was telephotoed. She was focused on one thing, and that one thing was on Jesus and on what he was teaching. In fact, Jesus was her only focus. If we look in the Greek to English linear translation, it says this. It says, Mary, who also, having sat down beside, eager to listen. This tells us a couple of things. It tells us that Mary was not the only one that was sitting and listening to Jesus, not the only one that was focused on Jesus. But it also tells us that Mary was desiring to hear what Jesus had for her. Nothing else at that point in time mattered. She was wanting to hear what Jesus had because she was focused. She was zoomed in. She was dialed in. As we think about our view, though, our view affects other things. A focused mind comes from the focus of our view. I don't know about you, but when my mind isn't focused on anything, I really have trouble focusing on the right thing, or even doing the right thing. You know, everything seems more difficult when I am not focused, when my mind is not in the right place. Because of Martha and Mary's views, the focus of their mind was also very different. And this tells a lot about them. Martha's mind was task-oriented. She was the type of the person that made sure that when her guest entered her home, she washed their feet, as was custom back then. This was to welcome them into their home and to show them that they were welcome, as well as a couple of other things. But she was also the one that made sure the house was clean and just right for people to visit. She's the one that made sure that the food was planned and prepared so that her guests could eat. She was the one that made sure that there was something to do or entertainment so her friends would enjoy their time at her home. And then last but not least, she made sure that everybody had a place that they could rest, that they could sleep. Her mind was setting on tending to Jesus rather than experiencing him. Experiencing who he was, what he had to give. As a result, she could not see what Mary saw because her view was wide and her mind was set on different things. Mary's mind on the other hand, was oriented around intrigue. She was intrigued with what Jesus had to say. She was intrigued with who Jesus was. She was taking in everything that Jesus was saying, 
Her mind was not preoccupied. She was completely focused on Christ. She was not letting anything distract her. Her mind was set on receiving all that Jesus had to give. You know, it kind of makes me think about, see those photographers at the football games or basketball games that have those big lenses and they got the flaps that come on the side and the top and the bottom. Those are kind of blinders to keep other light from coming in, to keep it from affecting the picture being exactly the way they want it. And that's kind of how Mary was. She had those blinders on and she was focused on Christ. And she was getting the message that Christ was wanting her to get because she was focused and was not being distracted. John chapter 8 reminds us um, of the words of Jesus where he says, if your words abide in me and I abide in you, your wor- if your words abide in you and you abide in me, we are abiding in Christ. Mary here was standing. She was abiding in her moment with Christ. She was connecting intimately with him. And his words were getting into her heart, were abiding, were really impacting her heart. And that's what Jesus is saying in, in, in John 8 is, that there is a connection there that we need to make. Where is the focus of our minds? That is a question. Are we focused on the to do or are we focused on the to get? What are we getting from Jesus? Colossians 3 prompts us to seek and to set our mind on things above. Don't set our minds on things of this earth, but set our mind on things above. The focus of Mary's mind isn't necessarily wrong. I'm sorry, of Martha's mind isn't necessarily wrong, but it does create an issue or two. And we want to look at those issues and we want to look at what our mind, the focus of our mind does. The focus of our mind affects our heart. A focused heart stems from a mind that is focused on Christ. Hebrews 22 tells us to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all of our mind with all our heart, and with all of our mind. Those two things are so intertwined that when we set our view on one thing, it affects our mind. And then when our mind is pushed in that direction or set on something, it fixes our heart on that as well. We see that our heart and our mind both must focus on the Lord. Just as with the view and the mind, we see a difference in Martha and in Mary's heart. As a result of where Martha and Mary's minds were, the focus of their hearts were decided and preset. If we take Martha with her doing mindset, she loved Jesus, and we can't, can't argue that because Martha and Mary were two of Jesus' closest, closest friends. And when he would come into town, he would go to her house and he would hang out with Lazarus and with Martha and with Mary. And sometimes it was kind of a respite for them. It was a place where he could retreat. But everything she was doing, she was doing out of love for him. But it really wasn't what she was supposed to be doing. Every task and action was important to her and therefore she knew that what she was doing was for Jesus. But here's the thing. Her mindset and a set position of her heart created a few things. It began to make her feel like that she was alone. 
because nobody was helping her. Nobody had the same mindset. Nobody had the same focus. She began to question if Jesus cared about her. She became bitter against her sister Mary. She was insecure, and she was looking for recognition, vindication, and reassurance. You know, when we get our mind focused on doing and on the list rather than on Jesus, we tend to be drawn into uncertainty. We tend to be drawn into feeling like we're incompetent or like we're not cared for or like nobody is helping us. We tend to be alone. And when that happens, the enemy can do all kinds of things in our, in our hearts. And we see this because Mary comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, do you not care about me? Do you not see that my sister is sitting here doing nothing and I am doing all the work? Would you please show me you care for me and tell her to get off the chair and to come and help me? And what does Jesus tell her? Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are troubled and distracted. But Mary has chosen the good thing, the good portion. And because she has chosen that, it will not be taken away from her. You know, I wonder, how did Martha take that? Did she take that as an insult from Christ? A confirmation that he didn't care about her? Or did it change her focus? Did it redirect her to focusing on him? To seeing the good portion? To seeing what the good choice was? Mary, on the other hand, as she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, hung on every word that was coming out of his mouth, she was in a really good place. She was confident and she knew and felt that Jesus cared for her. She was secure where her heart was. She wasn't worrying about what the other people were doing as compared to what she was doing. She was in the good place. You know, Jesus is constantly calling us to himself. And that is so good. You know, i got to confess, though, I am a Martha probably 90% of the time. I am a doer. I have to be doing something. My love language is doing things for people. If I get the opportunity to do something for you, whether it's dig a hole in your yard and put in a fence or help mud and tape some sheetrock or move something, I'll be there because that is my love language. And a lot of times, that is my love language to God, too, is, is I feel like I have to be doing for Him all the time. This sounds terrible since I'm supposed to be leading the youth and God gives me the privilege to get up here once in a while to speak, but I have trouble sitting at the feet of Jesus and not worrying about the things, not worrying about the list to do, not worrying about saying, God, I love you. I've got to prove it by what I am doing for you. I'm doing this for you. And that's what Martha was doing. I am doing this all for you, Jesus. Can't you see that? And Mary's doing nothing. But really, it comes down to the fact that I need to change my view. I need to make myself sit down at the feet of Jesus to take in what he has for me, to slow down, to not be doing it on my own power. Where our focus is will determine what we are thinking and where our heart is. 
And when our focus is on doing for Christ, it will be harder for us to be with and in Christ. But here's the kicker. When we have our focus on being in and with Christ, the doing will be a byproduct of that focus. The service to God will come after we are in and with Christ. So as we go into this season, there's a couple of things that we really need to look at. We need to look at what is our focus going to be. Is our focus going to be on Christmas and activities and relatives and all that? Is our Christmas going to be on the preparations, whether it's at work or at home? Because the season gets busier at work and at school and at home in this. Are we going to focus on the Martha stuff? Or are we going to step back and to sit down and be at the feet of Jesus and allow Him to give us what He desires for us? Allow Him to give us what we need that will prepare us for the doing. What is the view of your focus right now? Is it the wide angle like Martha had where you are seeing the big picture? Or is it the telephoto dialed in one like Mary had that is focused on one thing with nothing protruding on the inside? What is the focus of your mind? What is your mind set on? Are you set on accomplishing that checklist or are you set on drawing in, filling your spirit of growing that relationship with Jesus? The third question I have for you is what is the focus of your heart? I hope you are the ones that, that you love the Lord. But the question is, with our heart, are we going to love the Lord with service or are we going to love the Lord with connection? Are we going to take time to connect with Christ? You know, I have three daughters and a wife, so I should be really good at talking and connecting. They're laughing at me right now. And so I am not a person that sits down and talks. And you may see me talk to people here or you may talk to me at church when I'm doing it for work I don't know why it comes easier. But when I'm at home or when I'm in public or with people, most of the time it is a struggle for me to connect and to communicate. I don't know why. It may be because my mindset is a doer. Now, if you take and you get me splitting wood or putting up sheetrock with you, I will talk to you and I will have good discussion. And it will be a lot better than if you just sit down with me because that's the way I'm wired. But I have to force myself when it comes to Jesus to quit doing things because it is so true that when you stop and you focus on Christ, the discussion is so much better than when you are preoccupied, when your view is on everything else. I challenge you this, this Christmas season and even afterwards, dial in your view and allow your mind and heart to be focused on Jesus this Advent season. Sit at the feet of the Savior. Take in all that He has to give. There is a reason to focus 
on the season. Would you guys pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you right now. Lord, it is so easy to get our focus off kilter, to have our focus on the wrong view. Lord, I pray that as we are stepping into the Advent season, that you would help us to have our focus dialed in, to have our view in that telephoto lens where we are seeing you, where we are planting ourselves at your feet and listening and waiting and drawing in. Whether it's through reading scripture or praying or praising you, Father God, I pray that you would help us to zero our focus in. And Lord, I pray that, that as we do that, Lord, that you would allow us the privilege, the opportunity of being used for the other things, Father God. But first, let us be in you and with you. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for his willingness to give up his throne and to come and live life on the same planet that we live on. Thank you for his willingness to give himself to be tortured and to die. But then thank you for the fact that he was risen again. Thank you for the fact that he is coming again. Thank you for the fact that you love us regardless of what we have done. And Lord, I just pray that we would remember that, that we would not feel alone, that we would not feel like we're doing it by ourselves, that we would not feel threatened by other people that are sitting at your feet, but that you would help us to sit there and just to connect with you deeply. Father God, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' most precious and holy name we pray.